Warning, the following podcast may contain spoilers. Listener discretion is advised. Coming off of issue 20 of our panel at Wizard World Philadelphia, welcome to the Supergirl annual issue <laughs> of DC Primetime from the showcast on the Next Level Podcast Network. I am Ben Beck. And from the caffeine crew, I am Rob Martin. And, and join... From- oh, I was going to bring you in, but that's all right. Uh, <laughs> our third chair this week is a return guest uh, from previous issues from one of our earlier on issues joining us. Uh, go ahead. Introduce yourself. And I'm TJ from the Caffeine Crew. I do uh, spandex and capes over there. There you go. Uh, so, as we had mentioned, this is our Supergirl annual issue where we're pretty much just going to be focusing just on season one of Supergirl, this issue. But as I mentioned at the top of this issue, uh, we hope you enjoyed our panel last uh, last week. Well, at the time of recording this, it was last week at uh, Wizard World Philadelphia, our DC versus Marvel panel. Uh, hosted by or moderated by Crazy at Crazy for Comic Con Tony Kim, in which myself, Rob, and our friends Craig Legans and Chris Maddox were a part of as well. Yeah, everybody that you've heard on this show. So <laughs> we pretty much dominated that one. Yeah, uh, Rob, what was that? Real quick, your first panel experience. Uh, it was really awesome. It was tr- a little tricky trying to figure out where to dive in sometimes because there were some moments where, every, like, you know, Craig gave some amazing, amazing answers and was just like, I just can't top what he his thought process was on that. So, <laughs> but it was really cool. Uh, it was nice to be up on stage and getting to talk about the stuff that we love so much and that we're so passionate about. So, yeah. I'm really excited and hoping to get a chance to do that again next year. Oh, we will definitely be doing it again next year. Don't don't worry about that. I've already have, I already have things in movement. Uh, towards next year so uh we'll be good but there's also full uh as we had mentioned last week's podcast was the audio of the full panel uh and if you want to see video of the panel panel uh video of the panel is now available on my website which is www.nextlevelradioonline.com you can just click on the events tab click on wizard world 2016 click on panels i know it's a lot of clicking uh but there is full video right there on our page as well but let's jump into things for this week's annual issue of DC Primetime. As we had mentioned, Supergirl Season 1. And we're going to get a, a couple of things that we're going to go through. Uh, a couple bullet points that we're going to go through. We're going to take a break from the regular format. Uh, we're going to give our rating of the full season a little bit later on in the podcast instead of in the beginning. Uh, we're going to go through our favorite moments, least favorite moments, uh, characters we believe stood out more than anybody else, least favorite characters, best episodes, all these all these great points, uh, and then we'll rate the season. But let's start things off. Obviously, this season was – how many episodes was this season? I can't remember. Oh, that is a good question. Uh, it wasn't gotta... a full. I think it was – I want to say maybe 18. Hold on. I can tell you in just a second. (laughs) (laughs) Something probably we should have had done 
Yeah. Uh, I didn't think about that one either. It's all good. Let's see. Looks like... Oh, no. Actually, it looks like it was 20 episodes. Okay. So, so not a... Just a couple episodes short. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but as out of 20 episodes, let's jump into some of our favorite things of this season. Let's start off with our favorite moment. Okay. Um, I know there were a lot of things that happened in this season. I know, you know, we gave a number of episodes... Uh, you know, the hero status throughout the season. Uh, a couple of them got legendary. I don't think we gave any of them sidekick. I, could I, think, I, I think I may have once or twice. So okay. I think yeah, there was a couple of moments where I was a little bit like, yeah, not quite sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think for the most point, it kind of stayed in that hero realm for the most point. And then near the end, it started picking up like crazy. So yeah. Uh, Teach, you're our guest this week. So let's start with you. What was one of your favorite moments from this first season of Supergirl? So... One of my favorite moments was Cat Grant figuring out that Kara was Supergirl. I thought that just spoke volumes for Cat uh, for the Cat Grant character. And <clears throat> while I knew they were going to get out of it, um, I thought it was such a good moment. When Kat just looks at her and goes, oh, come on, I know you're Supergirl, I'm not an idiot. <laughs> and it was such a, and it was such a blast on the, uh, on the Lois Lane idea that, you know, oh, Clark can't put on a pair of glasses, nobody can tell he's Superman. Um, and I, th- I just thought that was a fantastic moment for, for the character and for the show. Okay. Um, Rob, how about you? What was one of your, some one of your favorite moments from this season? Actually, I got to say the Black Mercy, just getting to see that on screen and see it done so incredibly well. Um, Visually, it looked exactly how it should, which was awesome. And I think they actually handled that storyline pretty well. I don't think I think when we go back and talk about that episode originally, I think my resolve for it was a little eh, I didn't like how it wrapped up. But I think just the way that they adapted uh, for the man who has everything was just such a huge highlight for me. Okay. Yeah, I can I can kind of see that one being a great episode as well. It's again, I agree with you. I didn't like the way it wrapped up. I kind of think the way it wrapped almost made um, Alex seem like the stronger character between the two of them, between her and Kara. Uh, you know, because it was something obviously that Kara wasn't able to get out of on her own. But uh, going into my favorite moment of this season, uh, I have to say it was something that I was I kind of was predicting even though I thought I was wrong at the time. Uh, and it was the reveal of Hank Henshaw not being Cyborg Superman, but instead being the Martian Manhunter. Uh, it was one of those oh, yeah. moments when, you know, we saw the red eyes. Obviously, because Hank Henshaw in the comic books is Cyborg Superman. So a lot of people were mm-hmm. thinking that was the direction they were going to go with that character. Uh, but the moment I saw those red eyes, I instantly thought Martian Manhunter for some reason. And then it turned out a couple episodes, that's exactly who he was. So... The moment that he was revealed as Martian Manhunter is one of my personal favorite moments because uh, it 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 pretty much just showed that my prediction as off the wall as it was was actually correct. You know, if I have to give it a second, I would probably say it was Martian Manhunter related. The moment of him and Alex talking when he's locked up and just eating chacos. <laughs> yeah, that was fantastic. Yeah, because I know that was something you had been saying for a while was we haven't seen chacos yet. We haven't seen the cookies yet. 
Yeah, I mean, I was just waiting for it constantly. So the fact that they finally did get to that point, it was just amazing to see. And I was just laughing my ass off. I'm like, more of this, more of this. And it was such Please. a it was such a quick nod to it that it was almost like, okay, we're throwing this in for the fans, but then we're moving on. Yeah, and and that's all it should have been. I mean, you you don't like at one point they devoted a whole issue in comics to it, and it was like you you really don't need that. You just need to show them eating the Oreos. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But it was nice, and like you said, Rob, you know, the moment we finally got it, it was almost like one of those moments we were sitting at home and we kind of cheered a little bit because it was something we had wanted for a while. Well, it's funny. It's like you, our cheering for that was almost the same as with, like, Kara stopping a missile, you know, like an iconic moment. And I'm like, but that for me was, like, one of the most iconic moments of that show. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So favorite moments are covered. Are there any other moments uh, worth mentioning? Like any I know you said, uh, Rob, that was kind of like your, your close second was uh, the moment of the Chacos. But any uh, honorable mention moments, other moments that would kind of come close to favorites that we uh, that we didn't mention? The the first episode and where after she catches the plane and she's just so excited it it's been a, it's been such a long time since we've had a super that was that just dorkily cheerful and it was it, it, it was really nice to me and it was at that moment that I went yes this was everything i wanted in a super show you know, it, everything I wanted in Supergirl, Superman, that's what I mean by super, um, that I hadn't had in so long. And she was just so dorkily excited. I was like, this is going to be great. Yeah, I, I think that's a really good, strong point on the show. And I, I think even some of the other small moments, though, too, is even just the fact that they did similar to what The Flash did. And we had legacy you know, actors kind of returning to this mythos like Dean Kane and Helen Slater. You know, um, I apologize. I was not a big uh, Smallville watcher, but I mean, Indigo was the, you know, Supergirl overall in that. I, I think to seeing those characters pop up on screen too are other biggest favorite moments because it's the fact that it's showing that, you know, the Berlanti universe really cares about the legacy of the people that played these characters beforehand or had a hand in them in some way. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we have our favorite moments of this season covered. What are some of our least favorite moments? And I can tell you there are probably quite a few. Uh, Rob, we'll start with you on this one. Uh, I got to say, I really did not enjoy how they handled Red Tornado. That that drove me a little. I mean, the look of the character, um, this kind of I think just even that, too, it was just the costuming of that one where they did so many good strengths in this show. And Red Tornado, I got to be honest, has never been a big favorite of mine to begin with. But I, I just felt like it just kind of got thrown in there just for, to just throw it in for the it, like it was when that show was after a couple episodes in and it felt like it was finding its footing and it was kind of kept missing. And I, I think honestly, that kind of even speaks for maybe like episodes like, I don't know, like four through like seven or eight where it was just kind of all over the place. It, it just couldn't kind of stick the landing. And so I think it was really just those chunk of episodes. So, okay, uh, TJ, how about you? Um, I, I kind of agree with Rob. The the red tornado was poorly done. When I first saw it, I went, "Oh, I hope there's going to be special effects added later." 
and I guess there weren't. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But in general, a lot of the, and this is symptomatic through all of the DC shows, the villains all felt one note. Like the, the villain of the weeks, there were a couple of exceptions, but like the one that felt the most fleshed out was Banshee. But that's only because she got four episodes before she actually turned into a villain. Everybody else felt like, oh, here's the villain. So. Um, I can I can kind of see. Uh, I mean, my worst moment of the season does happen to do with one of the villains as well. But it's not Red Tornado. I kind of give I kind of give Red Tornado a little credit as far as the show goes because of the fact that it was still very <laughs> early on in the show. Uh, I mean, red tornado was only in one episode. It was episode six of the first season, still very early on when this show was still finding a lot of its footing. And I'm sure the producers and the directors and the writers were doing the same thing. They were still trying to find their footing, uh, and find the message that the show was going to portray. So because it was so early on, I kind of give it a little bit of credit and believe it or not, I'm looking at the rating of the episode. Now that episode has an 8.1 out of 10. So we're kind of in the minority here as far as that episode goes. Um, but my worst moment, uh, I was not thrilled with Indigo. Yeah, I, I mean, I, yeah. I agree with that. I think Indigo <laughs> and, and Non, I think most of the uh, Kryptonian stuff, I think, was maybe some of the, the weaker points. Yeah. I mean, we <coughs> we got more episodes with Indigo than we did with Red Tornado. We got three episodes with Indigo, uh, which was Laura Vandervoort. I was very happy to see La- Laura Vandervoort come back to the Supergirl mythos because obviously she was Supergirl in Smallville. So it's a nice turn to see her play a villain in this story rather than play Supergirl herself again. But I, I wasn't thrilled with it, especially with the way that character wrapped. I mean, we had Hank Henshaw basically rip her apart. Uh, when well, she was able to escape every other time, like I didn't get that at all. Well, I think part of the the problem with like Non and Indigo was that every time I saw them, my immediate question in my head was, "Where's Superman?" You know, we have this fortress of Kryptonian villains. Why is the inexperienced Supergirl the only one dealing with them? Well, I mean, we we yeah. know what the real answer. Well, yeah, that is, the, the reason is they can't cast super. They couldn't cast Superman yet. Um, <laughs> but like, I think they should have started off with something smaller, just overall, and then maybe Non and Indigo could have been next season. But I, I don't think Indigo's dead i think she'll just be back in a new form now to a degree i kind of disagree to to a point i kind of disagree with uh, starting smaller you're you're starting a new television series and this is the same thing that kind of goes into arrow that we've discussed earlier on too you're starting a brand new series that nobody whenever you're starting a new series from a comic book adaptation you want to put in characters that people recognize so i i I'm actually okay with the fact that they're using characters from the Superman mythos over into Supergirl because not as many people are familiar with Supergirl as they are with Superman. They're not as familiar with, you know, with Non and 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 all these other Kryptonians as they would be some of these other characters from deep within the Supergirl mythos. Use these characters that people know whether they they come from another mythos or not. 
use them in this show to get people to recognize it and then invest themselves into the show. And now into season two and in the future seasons, now you can go into the comic book mythos of that character. So I'm actually okay with the fact that they went Kryptonian and they went Red Tornado and, you know, an Indigo and, and such. I just didn't like the way they were handled. Yeah. Yeah, I'll give you that. I'll definitely give you that. So any other least favorite moments? Uh, I know we, we these were pretty much our top, but any other moments we we feel kind of fell flat? Uh, I mean, I think the little push of the love triangle as well that we saw earlier on too between like James and Wynn. I think that was that went on a little longer than it needed to go on. Um, but I am happy that they did get away from it sooner rather than later. The, uh, uh, and I'll be honest, like I like the guy who's playing Jimmy Olsen. But the chemistry between him and and uh, Supergirl are just is just uh, it, it just doesn't work for me. Well, the chemistry is kind of where it needed to be though, because he up until the end of this season he was an unavailable character. There shouldn't well, no, be no. that great a chemistry between them at first. It should be an awkward chemistry. I, I, I mean, in general. Like whenever he was on the like whenever he was on the screen, he felt. I think they used him too much as like the soul of Superman, so to speak, the the moral righteousness. Yeah, I mean, and I think that's that's I definitely kind of how he came off. Yeah, yeah, and I don't think that entirely worked coming from him. Okay. It, it, it just, it, I mean, that's just. Uh, I think it was like I liked him when he wasn't being the soul of Superman, so to speak. But whenever he was, you know, telling Kara that, you know, hey, you shouldn't, you should do this, it always felt, it felt too preachy. Almost like he was trying to turn her into Superman instead of letting her be her own character. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, I think that's actually, that hits it right on, right on the head, exactly where that kind of hit. Um, and, you know, I think when you got to see him broken down a little bit like i think the flash crossover episode shows it the best with wind is looking at him and it's just like jealousy and thy name is Olson, <laughs> one know? of yeah. my favorite one of my favorite lines from that episode too by the way oh yeah <laughs> excuse me i mean i think that's when we started seeing the chemistry actually starting to click when he thought she was unavailable and i think that's when it started working but i think all prior to that it was a little off I mean, and that uh, that episode was literally like what two episodes before the finale. Yeah. So I mean, we were right at the cusp of the ending of the season at that point as well. Yeah, I'm very yeah. curious to see how how their relationship works next season. Yes, and we can say that now that we know it's getting a second season, which is fantastic. Yay! It only took them like two months to announce it. I know, uh, but we're and very, it's where it should have been in the first place. Yes, so. we're we're very happy with where things are going with the show and where it's moving to. Like as you mentioned, TJ, it's it's where it should have started. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but on the topic of characters, uh, let's talk about some of our favorite characters and some of our least favorite characters. Who do we think uh, is one of the most standout characters of this I, season? I got to say right off the bat, Cat Grant. Um, I wasn't sure about her at the start of the show. By the end of it, I adored her. So the fact that they were kind of going back and forth a little bit of the idea of she is going to be a season regular, is she not? I hope her presence still is fairly strong next season, even if she's not there in every episode. But I think she just became something very, very special about that show. I mean, I love the little balcony talks that her and Kara have together. I think it shows how similar they really are. It shows it shows Kat's kind of like, you know, stripped away from like 
the tough as nails attitude. I mean, she's still a strong female character, but I love when you get to see the softer side of them working together. And it was, I think it was a really nice kind of split between the two of them. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm in really, I'm in a lot of agreement with that too. Uh, Cat Grant was, was a character that very much grew on me uh, about halfway into the season. And then further on into the season, I absolutely loved her, her little quips in, especially in the flash crossover, uh, you know, where she's talking about them being a cast of a CW show. And that was hysterical. And, and like, I, I loved her character by the end. And I'm really kind of bummed uh, about the fact that we may not get as much of her in season two. But um, in other than Cat Grant, though, I, I kind of think I think Alex is a standout character to me. She really proved herself to be a very, very, very strong character, sometimes as much so as being stronger than Kara. Uh, in many different moments. Uh, yeah, the, yeah, I mean, I think the family dynamic between the two of them and then ultimately with, with you know, with John's yeah, coming yeah. into the mix, too. I think that was, again, one of the biggest highlights of that show as well. Yeah, I mean, we 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 pinpointed one or two favorite moments, but a reoccurring favorite moment of mine was always when the three of them came together as as a family dynamic. I, I loved that aspect of the show. Yeah. So um, I granted, I, I say Alex, but one of my least favorite moments of the season was in the finale. And I didn't mention this earlier, but the fact that she took this, she took Kara's ship to go into space to save Kara, I thought was really okay. This is how it's going to work. <laughs> um, but other than that, I, I thought Alex was a pretty strong character throughout the season as well. Actually real quick on that note, Tej. Yeah. Can, can Supergirl breathe in space? Not re- no, but she can hold her breath for a really long time. Okay. So if she takes a deep enough breath, it's the equivalent to, you know, she can then go out and use that oxygen for, depending upon the writer, half an hour to an hour. That's that's pretty much what I've been reading, too. Okay, because I remember when we did the finale episode of that, we were kind of questioning and trying to figure out if that was legit or not. So, Yeah. No, I mean, and I'm basing that off of Superman, and he always needs an oxygen mask when he goes out into space. So, okay, yeah, that's that's pretty much what I've been reading too, as far as like the Superman and Supergirl mythos. Uh, Teach, how about you? What are some who was uh, your standout character this season? Honestly, I think the best character was uh, Supergirl uh, when they first announced uh, Melissa Bonest. Benoist. Bonest. Benoist. Benoist. Okay. I can never say her name right. When they first announced her, the only thing I had ever seen her in was when my wife watched Glee. And I went, oh, God, this is going to suck so badly. And then she came out and she was excellent. Like, she hit every note I've wanted, I wanted them to hit. And as the season went on... And not in a singing came, way. Hmm? Not in a singing way. Yeah, yeah, not, yeah, not in a singing Sorry. way. <laughs> Um, you're stealing my puns, man. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, you, uh, she hit, she was everything you wanted her to be. And as the series went on, she got better at it. And it, it, she was just so impressive to me. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I can see where some people thought that about her having come from Glee, but look at Grant Gustin. Yeah. And, uh, Grant and Gustin was the same thing. He came from Glee. Yeah, I mean, I, they both, I think, embody those characters amazingly well. 
the the difference was um, Grant Gustin was like it wasn't a guest star, but he wasn't a season regular. He was like in five or six episodes, from what I remember. Remember, but uh, Melissa was supposed to be like the new main character, and oh, it was just horrible. Welcome to Glee Annual Number One. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but Melissa Benoist had done a couple other things. I had seen her in um, – I don't think I had seen her in anything before Glee. Uh, but, I mean, she was great in the movie Whiplash. Um, oh, I forgot she was in that. Yeah, so, I mean, she had done other stuff that I had seen her act. So I wasn't – I didn't immediately go, oh, she came from Glee. This isn't going to be great. I was actually quite pleased with her casting. So, But that's just me. Yeah, I mean, I really enjoyed her, too. I think she was excellent casting. I think they did it right. They did the best thing they could with the show and making sure it was a character that was just full of joy. And it worked. It worked really, really well. Yeah. So on the flip side of that, though, uh, there are many, many characters in the show. And we'll have news on this later, but there are going to be many, many more. Uh, but out of the current cast... Who do we think some of like our, our <laughs> weakest our weakest characters of this well, season? I, I mean, right off the bat, I can tell you, I think, two that just don't need to be there anymore. Uh, Lucy Lane, I think she was fine to be there just to kind of bring up the whole bit with James uh, as far as him being in that. But it, it just felt like it was unnecessary to have, you know, two additional lanes in the show just because Lois isn't there. I mean, we have General Lane and then Lucy. And I was like, yeah. We don't need this. And she didn't bring anything special to the show. Um, and I think she's somebody that they can just get rid of. Uh, the other one I was a little 50-50 on, but, I mean, I think I've come around a bit, was Wynn. Um, Wynn, I thought, in the beginning of the season was just kind of felt like dead weight, but by the end was drastically better for being around. Uh, See, I think, with, I think with Lucy, now that she's the head of the DEO, I think she's going to be a stronger character. I hope so. Uh, I really hope so. Yeah, and I'll I'll agree with the win thing. It, it, there was a couple of episodes in the beginning where I was like, "Why is he here?" Uh, you you hit the nail right on the head. Win was probably my least favorite character of this, with the exception of uh, jealousy. Thy name is Olsen. Uh, so he obviously <laughs> he had his moments, but Win was probably my least favorite character from the show. I mean, you gave him a little bit of a backstory by making him the toy man's son. But then that went away. Like you never – that was it. Like that was – it was a one-off kind of thing just to kind of give him a little bit of a backstory. But then you never dove into it any further. Like it, it was just a one, a one-shot deal. And as far as Lucy goes, TJ, I'm, I'm on the page with you. I think she was a kind of a weaker character. Uh, but I liked the dynamic later on when she became the head of the DEO. I liked the dynamic with her and Kara because it almost gave Kara – a new friend who, like her, was coming into her own and adjusting to a new position. Uh, so it was something that her and Kara had in common together, and I liked that dynamic. If we see more of that dynamic from Lucy in Season 2, I'll be very happy with that character. Uh, what do you guys think about Maxwell Lord? Because he's another one that I'm kind of iffy on. That, that was actually my, my least favorite character, simply because... He felt like Lex Luthor liked. Yep. Like we couldn't get Lex Luthor, but here's Maxwell Lord. Yeah, and he didn't even feel like the Maxwell Lord that we know of in the comics. I mean, he, well, he just felt like a carbon copy Lex. And he was a bad carbon copy of Lex. Like, there was no point 
it, like he got caught way too easily. Okay, if you're going to set up somebody to be Lex Luthor, okay, God damn it, make him Lex Luthor. Well, they may, be, they may be fixing that next season with one of the new casting announcements, so we'll yeah, see. Yeah, I'm, I'm wondering if he's coming back at all. So, so wait, if we're going to make him Lex Luthor, uh, are we going to put him in an iron Superman suit and make him the new Superman? Well, they could borrow Alex's from the finale. So. Oh, that's yeah. true. There you go. Uh, and, and I don't mean, like, name him Lex Luthor, but you know, just keep him as Maxwell Lord, but, you know, make him competent, make him evil, you know, and... Let me tell you, I love the new action comics, and if Lex Luthor was the main character, I'd be okay with that. <laughs> yeah, that was a little call back. That was a little call to the uh, the current a- action comics uh, part of uh, the whole Rebirth series and such. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm on the same page too. <laughs> Maxwell Lord, you hit the nail on the head when you said Luthor Light. They could have done so much more with him. I mean, he was a good guy more than he was a bad guy this season. And when yeah. I th- when I think of Lex Luthor or Maxwell Lord, uh, like I do kind of see them in the same kind of light, but I need to see evil out of them because that's who they are. Oh, yeah. I mean, like we were even talking and speculating a lot when we were in the finale, what they were going to do was, was Max going to turn on them at a specific point, which he never did. And I'm like, well, that was a waste. Like you have the bad guy helping you out and you're just waiting for him to do something vile. And end up kind of being the bad guy that's going to be around for a while. And they just didn't like he just kind of felt like he just rolled over by the end of the season. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I'm really hoping that in the in the second season, they do a little bit more with Maxwell Lord. I would almost like to see them make him almost like the big bad of the season, you know, but see, kind of like the 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 mastermind behind everything that happens. Like do a bunch of one off stories like here, like the villain of the week and such, but kind of have Maxwell in the background as like the mastermind of everything. See, yeah, with the casting announcement, though, um, which we'll get to later, um, I don't think he's necessary. I'd like to just see that guy go away. But uh, but again, like with the casting that we that we'll talk about later, like you said, I, I could see them tying him into everything. But if they don't tie him into everything and they just make him a background character, then you're right; he's not needed at all. Yeah. Um, but I mean, if, they, if him, they tie him into everything, though, like I said, and just kind of make him the mastermind of all these new casts and all these new characters that are coming in, there's a use for him. But otherwise, there's not. Or you flip him and you make him just a pure good guy and have him be on Supergirl's side now. I'd be okay with that if they actually use him. Yeah. Because yeah, I mean, they, they have to just do it right, though, and that's the one thing I'm not sure that they're going to do. But again, there's going to be so many changes next season that there's a lot of hope for a lot of course correcting that they needed to make from this season. So, yeah, I mean, because don't get me wrong, I like Peter Fascinelli. I like the actor that plays him. I mean, I go back as far as remembering him from Can't Hardly Wait, which is a surprise. Um. But yeah, oh they, my God, he was in that. Yes, he was. He was the douchebag. You can't hardly wait. Oh my God, that is where I know him from. <laughs> surprise, She's surprise. We are getting old. Yeah. Um, no, yeah. no. I am a Toys R Us kid. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, they need to do more with that character of of Maxwell Lord. I know uh, another character that I I don't. I'm really worried about it. it 
he was one of my favorite characters, but now because of the move to Vancouver and the move to CW, uh, he's a character I'm kind of worried about a little bit. I, I know we're going to continue to see Hank Henshaw, but I'm worried about the amount of time we're going to see John Jones. I'm actually not too concerned with it. I think the amount of money they're saving from moving production to Vancouver. And again, now you're talking about adding Superman and all that. And you know that's going to be effects heavy. So I, I don't think they're going to lessen that at all. I think we're going to see it stay just the same. I think you're when you're talking about losing somebody like Callista Flockhart, who probably has the you know biggest payout episode to episode in her appearances. I, I mean, you're going to see probably a, behind that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I think I think it's going to be fine. I, I really don't think we're going to see him lessened in, in any shape because see, he became so important. I think he's going to become a guest star. Like, he'll be in every third episode or every every other episode. I don't think we're going to get the presence he had last season. Last season is, or... Or he'll show up in every episode, but they'll use his shape-changing ability more. So every episode is a different-looking Martian Manhunter. Well, I guess it's going to depend, too, if it's him and Alex going off to look in Academus on their own bit by bit, and they disappear, and or if it's going to be them doing it all together. So. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I can kind of see that. I just hope we don't lose... Uh, lose out on um, on John Jones, which I don't think we'll lose out on. Him. Yeah, I don't think we're going to lose lose out on him at all. I think he was one of the best parts of the season. Yeah, yeah. and I, I haven't heard any news of him not being a season regular. The only person we heard any issues with was Callista Flockhart. So yeah. Exactly. Uh, but moving on a little bit further into the season, obviously, we had a lot of episodes, as we had mentioned, that we gave, you know, favorable hero ratings to possibly one sidekick and one or two legends throughout the course. But uh, let's dive into what was our, in our opinions, the best episode of the season. Rob, I know you and I, we've hyped this up so much uh, over the course of doing this this uh, this podcast. So I know we're in complete agreement with this. So I'll kick things off with this. Favorite episode by far of this was the crossover with The Flash. Yeah, uh, 100% agree. No doubt in my mind that was an episode that I've – there's been a number of episodes this season that I've watched multiple times. I, when I say multiple times, I've watched it a second viewing. Uh, but the Flash crossover is one of those episodes I keep going back to. If I have 40 minutes to kill, that's what I go back and I watch is I watch that crossover episode. I've seen it at least, no joke, six or seven times already. I love that episode so much. It is very easily the top of my list of best episodes. Yeah, um, I, I think honestly, I like I joked about it too. I think after that episode aired, I could watch the entire episode of Barry and you know Kara just going all over the place and just going to fast food places and geeking out about how good food is. Like the uh-huh. moment of them, they're like, "Do you want to go get ice cream?" And they're like, "Uh huh." And it was just them darting away with like such glee in their eye. You know, those moments. I think their chemistry together on screen was so perfect, and it showed why that show is fun as well i think it really highlighted all the best aspects of supergirl and they did it so incredibly well and the fact that she's going to be able to have these adventures more now is something to really rejoice about 
Well, not only the character of Supergirl and the character of Kara, but so many great moments with with a lot of the other secondary characters. I mean, we had mentioned, you know, Wynn, who we're not a big fan of, but he had his moments that made us love him a little bit more. Uh, You know, obviously, we got a lot out of Callista Flockhart that episode. But (laughs) there were so many episodes. There's so many moments in that show, not to mention the fact that we finally got to see Banshee um, uh, and... um, Livewire return and Livewire return as well. So, so many great moments of that episode that if every episode of that show was to that level, there would be no doubt in my mind this would be the best show on television. Yeah, it would stand toe to toe with the Flash. I think no question to ask, and I think it shows how much of a future that show does have. Um, You know, if they have the right amount of freedom, the right budget to work with, I think there's a lot they're going to be able to do. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. Uh, but TJ, how about you? What was um, one of your favorite episodes from this season? So you guys picked an episode which showcased everything I loved about Supergirl and everything I love about The Flash. The 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 high the, the the fun, the antics, the, the the smiles. But my favorite episode was everything that was opposite to that, and that was Falling, where Supergirl got hit with the red kryptonite. Okay. Oh yeah. I thought that was such a powerful episode and showed what a range she had. And it was gradual and it was and let me tell you there are actually elements of that where I'd like to see <clears throat> Supergirl have that a little bit more. Um like like the attitude, the confidence, um well maybe not the whole attitude but but it was just so well done and so good. Um, TJ, all the, I got to say is Red Lantern, Supergirl. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then and the call out to the Superman 3 scene. Oh, yeah. Her drinking at the bar. Yeah. Her drinking at the bar and flicking peanuts into the into the uh, uh, bottles I thought was fantastic. Yeah. And they didn't have to bring out a fake they didn't have to have like a, a Kara come out of her body and fight in a in a garbage uh in a, <laughs> in a garbage lot in order to beat her so that was even better call out to <laughs> call out to superman 3 on that yeah, one yeah yeah <laughs> not not exactly uh superman's best moments ever so no yeah we tend not to acknowledge it <laughs> um yeah, I, another. I, I mean, I'm trying to think of some other notable episodes. That, yeah, the following episode is definitely a, a, towards the top of my list. Uh, the Bizarro episode too, I think, was for the most part pretty good. I think the the biggest criticisms I had was the the fight had no impact to it. But yeah, but it was. I think the fact that they're willing to go that far into stuff, it was fun. Uh, I think oddly, oddly enough, too, the Master Jailer episode I thought was pretty pretty interesting to watch too. So. Also, the uh, Manhunter episode, the oh. episode right after Falling. Mm-hmm. That was really solid. So um, I lost my train of thought. Sorry. Um, so uh, let's go through and let's rate. Obviously, we, we've picked our best, our favorite episodes. Uh, we've picked our, our least favorite episodes, characters uh, and such. Least favorite moments, best moments. Uh, the big bad of this season, obviously, was I, I think it's safe to say was non and um, 
Oh my god, why can't I'm blanking out? Um, Aster or Indigo? Oh, oh, Laura, or was Laura. it Laura her mother? Laura was her mother. Laura yeah. was her mother, so it was Astra. Astra, yeah, Astra yeah. was the her aunt. Yeah. So Astra and Nan obviously were the big bads of this season. Uh, on a scale of one to ten, one be obviously being the worst and ten being the best. Um, let's rate how, what we thought of this season's big bad. Uh, and Teach, we'll start with you on this one. Are, are we? We're counting all three of them as the big bad, or are we doing this individually? Well, I think together. Um, okay, Astra together. And, and the main I, th- yeah, the main threat. Okay, together they're like a five. Okay. Uh, there was just non felt so one note, and Indigo was Brainiac Light. Um, and the only one of them who was complex and deep was Astra. But she, you could argue that she did, that she became a, um, you know, she became more sympathetic right before she died. Yeah, um, like just as you're starting to think that she's interesting, they kill her. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, uh, again, I go back to the, Okay, so we've established Superman's in this universe. There's a whole bunch of aliens running around being led by Kryptonian super warriors. Why the hell are you not more involved? Even if it's just as, you know, Superman's helping us capture these as a throwaway line, it just never made any sense to me that these were her first threat. You know... One supervillain, one Kryptonian supervillain leading like a group of different aliens. Okay, yeah, but at one point, like 15 to 20 of them show up. And it's just like, okay, why aren't, no, haven't you conquered the world yet? Yeah. I don't, I, you know what? I don't even really count. I mean, when, when I said the main threat, and this is just me, it could be different with you guys, with both of you. I, like, I'm strictly thinking Astra and Nan. I'm not even really counting Indigo. We only got her out of three episodes. Um, it, she was brought in at the end just to kind of help out Nan. Uh, but going on your point of Nan being a one-note character, have we really, even going back to the the original Superman movies, have we ever, ever seen anything more than that out of Nan? Yes. Uh, okay. Not in, the, uh, in the comics, Nan was a scientist on level with Jor-El. Um, but went into uh, questionable research and was lobotomized. Which explains his character in the Superman films. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, obviously, this isn't the same non, but uh, yeah, in, in comics, and that actually, that origin didn't actually happen until the last, I think, 10 years or so. Um, but that that origin made him much more interesting than the guy who grunts off in corner. Yeah, pretty uh, much. Uh, Rob, how about you? Um, as I mean, far I, as rating I, these villains, I would actually say I'm probably going to go with like a three, maybe a four. I, I, I never felt any danger from him. He never had like this vile presence or anything like this. Um, I mean, even uh, I, I can't even remember what the, the name of the, the big project at the end that they were Myriad. trying. Myriad, yes. 
Like even like we didn't even know anything about Myriad until like I think like two episodes away from the end of the show. And like it, they never talked about it. Yeah, I mean it was just kind of there in the background. It just felt like this giant MacGuffin. Um and you just didn't care. And it was kind of I think Project Myriad was just as much of a threat as non was at any point in time. Um I mean I I, I really hope that the Kryptonian angle for is not the villain villain idea for next year. Um I, I just thought again, yeah, it was no threat. I think Astro, like exactly like TJ said, was more interesting to watch, and that's where I felt like the threat was looming more. And then as soon as she became interesting and sympathetic, like we stated, we saw Alex Killer, and it actually kind of tore up, you know, the relationship with like the Supergirl team uh, and the DEO and all. But uh, yeah, I I just don't think it worked at all. Um, I I found that even some of the smaller villains that they did and stuff with Maxwell Lord would have been more interesting. I, yeah. I think they could have actually, I think if they put the focus and turned it into Maxwell <coughs> Ward doing something larger than what Myriad was and what Nan was doing, I think we could have had a better season finale. Yeah, I, I'm in agreement with that. It's uh, my rating of them. I'd give them like a five. But in all honesty, Astra is the one that's carrying that five. I mean, if I if I'm going with just non on this one and and keeping Astra in the background, it, it's down to like a two or a three. And the only yeah. reason I'm giving it a five is because Astra is the character between the two of them that had the most depth. Uh, we did. I think what happened with Astra and her death and everything was very important to the development of Kara's character. And for that reason, I'm. I'm giving it as high of a rating as I am, like a, a five or a six. But if not for that, man, it, they're two completely one-note characters that really gave nothing to this show. I mean, we could have written them off halfway through the season and been done with it. Yeah. I mean, the character relationships are what made the show fun and kept it fun. And, yeah, the overarching plot was definitely not one of the things that chalked any of our ratings up to legend or hero any week, usually. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So uh, now let's move on to obviously we're, we're going to get ready to wrap things up with this with this annual. Uh, but before we do that, we let's go review the entire season. Uh, we've rated each individual episode up until this point. But now that the season is wrapped. Uh, let's give the season itself a rating. Uh, we're going to stick to our sidekick hero and legend, but I want to throw in the one to 10 with that as well. So obviously one to three would be sidekick four to seven would be hero. And then eight to 10 would be legend. Okay. Um, so Rob, we'll, we'll start with you this time. Uh, sidekick hero legend one to 10 what rating would you give this first season of Supergirl? I'm going to go hero, uh, but I'm going to go with seven. It, it's had a lot of great ideas. It just the idea that it couldn't master its villain or major threat, I think, keeps it from going into a legendary status. But I think everything they did with the mythos was fantastic. And I love uh, the characters and the character dynamic. So, uh, OK, great. Uh, Teach, move over to you. Uh, what would your rating be? So uh, I'd give it an eight, which I means I it would be legendary. I think it was a great start. Yeah, the villains were kind of weak, but I think that individual episodes and the um, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, uh, the individual episodes and the strength of the characters, 
they did a really good job with it. And so, yeah, I, I, I guess I give it a legendary. Okay. Uh, I'm in the same boat as... I'm right around close to you guys. I, I'm giving it a hero, uh, but it is a high hero. Um, the show, I'm going to say probably... Rob, I'm probably on the same boat with you. I think I'm going to give it around a seven. Um, the show, obviously, it, it's in its first season... There are exceptions to the rule when you say that shows struggle in their first season. Obviously, Flash was very successful in its first season, uh, but it did have a jumping point. So it had help to get started with its greatness in its first season. Supergirl is starting not only on its own, but it's on its own network. It's tied into the other shows, but it's it's technically separate because it's on a different network. Uh, and a lot of these characters that we saw in the other shows are not part of it. So it did stumble a little bit. It started to find its footing for sure by the end, and that's a reason why I'm giving it such a high rating. A lot of great moments came out of this show. I'm very, I'm, I'm very much anticipating to see where they're going to go in the second season. I'm very happy that the show got a second season. That alone um, proves to me that I enjoyed the show. Uh, proves to myself that I enjoyed the show. So there, yeah, I'm giving it a 7 out of 10. So it's going to have a hero status for me. Cool. Uh, yeah, um, I think that seven two kind of the states too for the people that really really love this show is it's a really it's a great show but there is room for improvement and that's really all it's it, that's saying is there's a lot more that they can do so okay um, so we're 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 finished talking about season one obviously there's a lot of things that have come out about season two uh, what are some of the things that we would like to see come out of season two what are some what what are some of our predictions for season two obviously because of the way the season wrapped in the finale that the last couple moments that we saw uh and a lot of the things that we've seen leading up to the finale what are some of the things that we predict are going to happen in the season and what are some of the things we'd like to see happen going into the second season um well first off like i said we have the cliffhanger at the end with the pod uh my hope is again i think you know we're seeing another kryptonian and my hope is maybe this is Connor. Um, I would love for that to happen. I don't think it will. Um, but I would love to see Connor Kett show up at some point. And I would really love to see Power Girl. Uh, that's my two of my biggest hopes for next year. Uh, all right, Teach, how about you? So, so with the, um, the spaceship landing, I don't think it's Kryptonian. I think it's similar to Kryptonian. Um, I don't know if you, either of you or our listeners are familiar with a world called, in DC Comics called uh, Damax. Yeah, uh, you're, you're hoping for a, a Daxamite? I, I'm hoping specifically for Monel. Okay. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. And it would tie a little bit into Martian Manhunter. In the new uh, one, it would give you a person who is older right off the bat instead of having a little baby that you need to carry around for however many seasons this is. Um, but it would also introduce the larger space universe that DC's TV has been missing. So, but, uh, and if it's not Monel, I want Streaky the super cat. I would just say <laughs> they were talking about it. They were, that we did bring that up uh, a little bit earlier in the season. That yeah. Um, that there was rumblings that they wanted to look at seeing if they could bring in Streaky. So I thought that would be kind of fun. No, Yeah, but the easiest way to do it is just get a cat named Streaky. No, I want Streaky the super cat 
with super strength and heat vision to come out of his eyes every time he doesn't like his food. Can you imagine that's what's in the pod? That would be so oh, awesome. <laughs> that'd be hysterical. <laughs> I think it's just a big box of Chacos. That, Ch- that would Chaco, Chacos, Chacos from <laughs> space? Yeah, Chacos from space. It's Martian Manhunter's secret stash. It just arrived on Earth. <laughs> oh, it could be Miss Martian. They could be. They 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 could actually go that route if they wanted to. I, I mean, I don't think we're going to see them go that far with it. But yeah, I mean, I they could really dive into a little bit of Martian Manhunter. They could even make that uh, a villain and maybe bring in a white Martian that they have to go up against next season, which could be really cool too. Um, I I don't know what's in the pod. Um, I haven't honestly really given it a lot of thought past the finale because I think I kind of just want to leave it a mystery. Uh, I, I kind of don't want to know. I want to I want to be surprised when this season comes back in September. Um, so I have really haven't put a lot of thought into it. One of the things I originally thought was um, I did think Connor, as you had mentioned, Rob, um, I didn't really think Streaky the Supercat because I didn't know much about Streaky the Supercat. So I didn't really think anything of it. What about um, crypto? I, that was the other one I thought of was Crypto the Superdog. Uh, and that could possibly be in there. But I think we would have gotten a different reaction from Kara if it was a pet of any kind in there. It wouldn't have been like, oh, my God, it would have been, oh, you know, it would have been something a little different knowing her character. Uh, as far as what I'd like to see come out of the next season, uh, I'm very excited about one thing that's going to be coming in the second season, which we'll get to in a minute. Um, but I there's a one off character that I grew to love from reading the comics when I was younger that I want to see more of. I want to see Maxima come back. Um, we got oh, her, yeah. we got her very, very quick in this. I was very excited when I heard the casting and that she was going to be a part of the show leading into the finale. I thought she was going to be a much bigger part. We saw her for a total of five minutes. Um, I want to see Maxima come back. Uh, I also want to see more with Cadmus Labs. I want to see Guardian. I want to see Double X. I want to see a lot of these characters that we saw leading up to the death of Superman uh, in the comic books. So obviously I don't want to see Doomsday because it's already been done. But I want to see more of these Cadmus Labs characters come out. Yeah, I mean one of my thought processes right now too is when they do rescue Kara and Alex's father – my guess is maybe Cadmus Labs is turning him into Cyborg Superman. And Which would that's, be awesome. And that's something I'm kind of hoping for. That's one of the plot lines we're going to get. It's kind of a nice twist on the Hank Henshaw bit. Um, and I think it would be kind of amusing for Dean Kane, who was Superman, play Cyborg Superman. Yes. I think it would just be one of those really cool, fun nods. Um, yeah. Kind of a la what we saw with the end of season two of Flash with having, you know, Jay Garrick, you know, being, you know, John Wesley ship. Yeah. So I, I think it's it's a nice kind of twist on that. And I think that's that's one of the big things I'm speculating on there right now that I think might actually come to pass. It's one of those things that we mentioned earlier on in the season is that we love the fact that DC uses a lot of people from the mythos in the past. They they bring them back and return them. Uh, I mean, obviously, we have seen uh uh, Laura Vandervoort come back. We've seen, you know, who played Supergirl. We saw Dean Cain come back, uh, who was Superman in the, you know, the adventures of Lois and Clark. We saw Helen Slater, who was the original Supergirl, come back as Kara's mother. I love seeing these return characters. So it would be really cool to see Dean Cain uh, take another role as a different Superman, which would, would be awesome. Um, and obviously, one of the other things I really want to see come out of next season is 
I want to see what they do with these crossovers. I and cannot how, and, wait. Yeah, especially how she's going to fit into this universe. Yes. How that's well, going to work. I don't think she is. Well, we already uh, know we're going to get a four-part crossover. So well, yeah. yeah, but I think it's going to be a... Um, Excuse me, a crossover through time and dimensions. I don't think she's going to join the the main Arrowverse. I think she's going to continue to exist on Earth S. Well, she is, but I mean, it, it doesn't mean that the same way Barry came to her universe for a one-off. Oh, she can't do the same. She's going oh, to yes. return at the end of it, obviously, to continue her story on her show. But I'm just excited to see what they do for these one or four okay. episodes of this. I, I thought I thought you meant that. You, um, I thought that you meant that she was going to be coming, be becoming a part of the Arrowverse. Oh no, she's going it, to continue in her own in her own okay. universe. Yeah, I mean, one of the things I saw people speculating a little bit about is the idea that Flashpoint does something to cross her Earth into the Arrowverse. So that's always a possibility. I have no idea the direction they're going to take, and I think one of the things they're going to want to do is because they are expanding that universe is finding a way to make sure it does tie into the rest. It makes those crossovers a lot easier. Instead of every time and every season that they are doing this, that they don't have to come up with some weird random reason why. So yeah. I think it's important for them to find a way to do it and do it right. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, we're talking about Arrow. We're talking about Flash and obviously Legends of Tomorrow. Teach, we want to give you, since obviously these are the annuals and we are focusing on Supergirl, uh, we, we want to give you a couple minutes just to kind of let us know, what did you think of the other show's uh, you know their seasons. Give us a quick recap as to well, your thoughts on these shows. So Legends, I thought was good. Um, I, I can't wait for the Justice Society. That's going to be fantastic. Um, there's a couple of my favorite characters in there. Um, <coughs> Arrow was there. Um, <laughs> it wasn't. Like, it wasn't the worst ending I've ever seen, but it wasn't the best. And I actually was more excited for Ollie to be swear, sworn in as mayor than I was for anything else. I think Damien Dark went down like a punk. Um, but uh, I didn't have the uh, vitriol for it that the subreddit apparently had. Turning it into uh, a, a, the Daredevil? Daredevil Reddit, yeah. Um, yeah, but it's it was there. I hope it gets better um, because it was the first and it did allow all these other shows to come in. Flash, I thought, was fantastic. I think that Rebirth will wind up... Not Rebirth. Um, Flashpoint will wind up being like a two-episode season opener. Because they can't change time too much because they already have these other um, shows going on. So if you leave Flash in a different timeline for too long, you're not going to be able to have that crossover. Um, but what I think all of the shows need to do is get away from a big bad and instead have an overarching theme. You know, where you encounter other villains, where you encounter villains like Captain Cold or Brick or somebody who have a chance to develop over two or three episodes, but don't give them a, don't get, don't have a Rachel Ghoul or a Zoom, have just villains. You know what I'm saying? Now, I, to a degree, I, I, I kind of see that. 
But I disagree with that a little bit. I think Flash with a big bad as a zoom, I think Flash did it perfectly. Yeah, um, I mean, like, yeah, I agree. Like, because I, I know exactly probably where your brain's <laughs> thinking is it was Barry coming to grips with his past. That's what the entire season was about. I mean, and Zoom's story kind of helped mirror that in the opposite right. light. But I think that they could. Um, uh, what's the word? I'm trying to think of the right way to put this. They don't need a big bad. They could have a bad, and maybe like the last couple of episodes, they introduce something that, um, you know, needs to be dealt with. But they don't need. They could do a theme instead of a villain, and just have villains that match that theme. Like next season in Flash. I would love to be, I would love to have the rogues be the villain. Okay, you introduce all, you take the entire season to introduce all the rogues that are missing, like Mirror Master, um, Boomerang. No, they introduced Boomerang, didn't they? Uh, Mirror Master, you know, guys like that. And the last like three or four episodes, they all team up and form the actual rogues and come after the Flash. So kind of Buffy season six. So kind of the yeah. idea where you have like their version of, yeah, like I said, it's just the rogues as a team just kind of causing havoc for the Flash constantly. I could see that being fun. Yeah. But, it, but if you think about it, the shows kind of already do that. We don't actually get introduced into the to the big bads of the villains and uh, of the season until after the midseason finale. I mean, we yeah, didn't but- we didn't really meet Zoom <laughs> Until after, I mean, we met Jay Garrick in Flash, but we didn't meet Zoom until after the midseason, and we didn't meet Damian Dark really until after the midseason of Arrow. True, so they kind of, of those, do do this already. But both of those were names that were out there. Like Zoom had been mentioned several times before he was introduced. Hive was the you know supposed to be the the big the the big villain, but we didn't get introduced to the face. What I'm saying is, instead of having one face, why not have multiple faces? Next season on Arrow, why not have the Arrow Revenge Squad? Have, like, eight guys from his past, team minor villains like Cupid, team up and go after him. Oh, I, I think it's... The, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, I can see that maybe working to a degree, but I think you need a long story to keep viewers invested. Right, but You can't have a TV series that's just a bunch of one-offs. That's what works in a sitcom. It doesn't work in a, in a long, dramatic series like this because you yeah, need not... to keep characters invested until the end of the series. You need to give them a reason to invest themselves from start to finish in this season. If you do these one-off stories like five or six Six one-off stories through a course of twenty-one to twenty-four episodes. You're not going to have this. You're not going to have the viewers tuning in for the entire season. You're going to wrap up a short story, and then viewers are going to tune out because they're not going to be interested in what the next story that comes in is. You need one story that's going to keep the viewer invested from start to finish. See, but uh, I'm not saying get rid of the one story. I'm saying get rid of tying the villain to the one story. Have something else be the one story. You know, I'm. Off the top of my head, I'm I'm blanking as to what you what you could do with that, and that's but, like, but that's the thing. So do the writers. The writers. Yes, but the writers get paid for this. I don't. Yes, but the writers also blank on it, and getting paid, you cannot afford to blank on things. Uh, you need a you need a tangible story. Yeah. So I, I mean, I I, I, I I agree. I disagree that you need a bunch of 
I think you need that one thing to tie the season together. Yeah, I mean, I agree, too. I mean, it's it's got to be I think you need a big overarching plot. It doesn't have to be the sole focus for the season because but ultimately when you're getting to the midseason break and you find the big threat that's looming, it makes you really interested when the show takes a two month break to come back. I think you absolutely have to have that. I mean, there's too much now on TV where if you're not doing something exciting and keeping the attention, you're going to lose your audience very fast. And I think that was the problem you even saw with last season on Arrow. I mean, Rachel Gould was kind of the villain, but kind of not. It, it was just it was aimless. And the writers got lost in that really quickly. And I don't want to see that happen to any of these other shows. Like, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh, so uh, real quick to tie this up, uh, Teach, um, hero, sidekick or uh, sidekick hero or legend on um, Arrow for the season. Uh, I'd probably give it like a sidekick. Uh, how about the Flash? Legend. And Legends of Tomorrow. Hero. Okay. Cool. Cool. Uh, so let's get ready to wrap things up for this issue, uh, this Supergirl annual. But before we do that, of course, it's been two weeks since we've actually recorded an episode since we did the panel last week. There's a ton of news in the world of DC that we want to go through and tell you about. So let's hit that. Um, right now before we wrap things up and I'll kick things off to, uh, we obviously, because we're talking a lot about Supergirl, one of the things that was just recently announced that I'm very, very, very excited about, uh, Supergirl is now casting for Superman in, in season two. Um, I think this probably has a lot to do with the fact that, um, what's his name took over the role of, uh, uh, Jeff Johns took over. Uh, for the movie. So I think there's probably a, a lot of leeway now that they're being able to give Supergirl the rights to Superman and Clark Kent. Um, but obviously, uh, casting is underway for the role of Clark Kent slash Kal-El, uh, who is the cousin of Kara Zor-El, uh, played by Melissa Benoist. So we're going to see Supergirl or Superman in Supergirl next season, which I'm very excited about. Uh, but off the top of our heads, anybody stand out to play this role on television? Uh, I mean, right now, I know a lot of people are really hoping that we're going to see Tom Welling, um, especially. Oh, God, I hope not. Yeah, I, I kind of hope not, too. But I wouldn't be surprised because he did have a pilot that did not get picked up. So he is free and they love to pick from older people that have played these characters. So I would I, love to see Tom Welling come back and play Superman. I was a fan of, of Smallville, so I'm, uh, I can't deny that at all. I was, too. But I heard too many interviews with him where he said he just never wanted to wear the costume he never wanted wanted to do it then i'm like give it to somebody who actually would be excited to put on a superman suit yeah i mean it is kind of a shame too that brandon ralph is the adam because i think it would oh he could have done it we could have seen him come back and play that character again or um or dean kane yeah, and unfortunately, like I said, all these people are already currently in roles in this universe. So Yeah, so you can't really... Uh... Yeah, so I think it's a big wait and see. It's just a big wait and see. Hey, John Hamm's not doing anything. Hmm. Actually, you know <laughs> what? He's got the look. That would work for a guest <laughs> star. Exactly. Although there's rumor that uh, they're working on an Archer live action, and they want to put John, ha- John Hamm in the title role, but use H. John Benjamin as his voice. Which would yeah. be amazing. Which would be which would be fantastic, but that's kind of off the topic. So, Rob, we'll turn it over to you because I know you have a ton of other news. 
Okay, uh, so I'm just going to dive into the other Super uh, Supergirl casting stuff. We did get a couple additions to the cast we know coming up. So we do know Linda Luther will be joining the cast. Uh, another reporter that's going to be working at CatCo, who's supposed to be kind of the brash leading man. His character's name is Nick Farrow. Uh, classic DC character Snapper Carr, also going to be joining the CatCo industry as the old kind of grizzled uh, newscaster who's coming back to kind of bring in the old school back into the new school. Uh, we did get somebody specifically named just the doctor who is going to be the lead doctor at Cadmus. A lot of people are speculating that this is Sterling Roquette. And then and, he comes with a nice blue box. <laughs> and uh, last but not least, somebody I think I'm most excited about is we're going to see Detective Maggie Sawyer joining Supergirl. And for those of you in DC know how, uh, she is the future wife of Kathy Kane. So I, uh, which is also Batwoman. So I'm curious to see what that's going to bring up. Yeah, I'm uh, very, I'm very excited to see Maggie come into this too. Yeah. So, um, as far as some other big news, you had one other story real quick, didn't you? Um, I did, but uh, I think we covered it. Okay, cool. Well, I'll, um, just, I'll run the gauntlet real quick because there's a lot here. Um, and we'll just kind of go through this fast because we're kind of looking at almost two weeks worth. Oh of no, work. you're right. I did have one. I did have one other story. Oh, go for it. <laughs> I completely forgot about it because um, we were off the topic of Supergirl. So now I can actually dive into this. But one of the things I, uh, we did learn over the course of these past two weeks is Batman: The Killing Joke is getting a one night theatrical release in theaters. Uh, the much anticipated animated adaptation of Brian Boland and Alan Moore's comic book story is getting a, a theatrical release. Uh, it's going to be moving into movie theaters across the country on Monday, July 25th, 2016, in two showings at 7.30 p.m. and 10 p.m. Uh, local time to wherever you are. Uh, the Killing Joke obviously is rated R, so there's going to be a lot of restrictions on the showing. But I think uh, we're going to know the date. Uh, tickets can start being purchased online uh, this coming Friday, the 17th. Yes. Yep. So they'll announce all the theaters at that point in time. And I, I, I'm pretty safe to say I think you and I will probably be in attendance. I think so. Yeah. Okay. And uh, just to rattle off some of the other things that were going on, uh, Injustice 2, the video game, was just announced prior to E3 2016, uh, developed by NetherRealm Studios, the creators of the first Injustice game in the Mortal Kombat series. And right now we do know some of the characters being added to the roster, being Supergirl, Black Manta, Captain Cold, Gorilla Grodd, Dr. Fate, and Atrocitus. And one of the fun things, too, with Atrocitus, we did see a little floating deck star hanging out above him. So Dexter the hate kitty coming to injustice. So very happy about that. Um, also, we do know uh, Vicky Vale is going to be joining the cast of season three of Gotham. Um, also, uh, we have another anim two animated projects coming up soon from DC animated and Warner brothers. Uh, first is being DC superhero girls hero of the year, which will be coming to vid uh, video on demand on August 9th and August 23rd. Also, we found out after The Killing Joke, the next large project for the animated will also be Justice League Dark featuring Swamp Thing, Constantine, uh, Dead Man, and I believe also Zatanna. So kind of very excited to see what they're going to do with that, especially after Guillermo del Toro's project has st like started installed numerous times now. Um, you know, we also have now another regular joining season three for The Flash. All we know right now at this point in time is he's a geeky, slightly older contemporary to Barry Allen. And nobody is quite sure if he is friend or foe. Uh, continuing on TV news, Megalyn E.K. will not be returning as Vixen anytime soon, although Vixen will be a season regular for Legends of Tomorrow. Uh, one thing we did find out right now is they said they're looking at an actress to possibly play an older Vixen out of time. Or potentially somebody that had once held the mantle of Vixen prior to Megalyn E.K.'s version of the character. 
we did see some also shots recently as well of J.K. Simmons now rocking the trademark Mark Jim Gordon stash, also looking incredibly, incredibly buff, which is uh, everybody was saying uh, there's a meme going around saying Jim Gordon, but Jim being spelled J.Y.M. or G.Y.M. <laughs> sorry, not J.Y.M. I haven't seen that. I wish uh, I have. Yeah, they were doing all the previous Jim Gordons and then it just got to, you know, J.K. Simmons and it was just the, the Jim Gordon of him pulling weights which was pretty awesome so. have you guys seen the picture oh yeah. yeah it is he looks buff yeah he's he, crazy jacked oh yeah he looks fantastic and he has already started dyeing his hair kind of that reddish tinge with the gray in it so i, I mean you're not gonna unless something happens you're not gonna see any of it he'll be in a suit but you know mm-hmm. jim's supposed to be a former marine so why not yeah i thought he yeah. was already intimidating as the teacher in whiplash i if that was my teacher in whiplash i would crap my pants yeah uh, i i will say i'm really excited to see what his interpretation is even though we know his role in justice league is very short um we also on the continuation of movie news suicide squad has officially been rated pg-13 but it sounds like it's a very hard pg-13 so i would not be surprised if we see an r-rated cut released on home video um channing tatum is also now potentially in talks to join the dc extended universe a lot of thought process right now is he's going to either be playing the role of either captain cold in the flash film or Billy Batson, Captain Marvel, going up against Dwayne The Rock Johnson's version of Black Adam, which that film currently is slated for 2019. Uh, Justice League uh, Part 1 has now been given its official title, which is just simply Justice League. So it's nice to see they're not adding any weird monikers like Dawn of Justice on there. Um, I also like how Jeff Johns confirmed that. He was like, oh, God, calm down. Yeah. Just, just, just Justice League. Leave it be. And last piece of news is it looks like the Seth Graham Smith version of The Flash, which uh, film now has its new director, which is somebody by the name of Rick Famiyiwa, uh, who is somebody that has filmed a film uh, called Dope, which was a apparent smash hit at Sundance. Yes, it was. So very curious to see what's going to come from that. But that wraps up the news for us. Oh, actually, and there was one last thing. Um, it was something I forgot to write down. At a con two weeks ago, right before we were, uh, were at Wizard World, we did hear um, Willa Holland speak out a little bit. We did get confirmation that the reason for the death of Suicide Squad and Amanda Waller in the Arrowverse was indeed due to fact of Warner Brothers and the Suicide Squad film. So it was kind of interesting to hear her speak out a little bit about that. If you look up, you can find that interview out there online. So, uh, Yeah, I think I did read a little bit about that actually and just the, some of the bullet notes that I did read about that I I have to agree with her I mean it's I hate the fact that these universes are separate and it as much as we we agree that as of right now the television universe is much greater than the movie universe these television universes as great as they are could be so much better if they were allowed to use these characters well, yeah I, but the problem is that they're the same universe okay they should but be are allowed they? To use the, they should be allowed to use the characters, but if they were the same universe, you'd never get Will Smith on Green Arrow, on Arrow. No, yeah, but, I, I, I'm, but, but that's the thing. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with separate casting. I just want to see these characters on the show. I mean, and, it's, a start in the, it's a step in the right direction that Supergirl is now being allowed to use Superman. It's going to be obviously a different actor. It's not going to be Henry Cavill, and believe it or not, I'm okay with that. Um, it's not going to be Henry Cavill on the television series, but at least we're seeing Superman in this universe. They are two separate universes, believe it or not. They're not the same universe. I right. mean, and, 
Because otherwise, we would see Grant Gustin in the Flash movie. We would see Stephen Amell as Oliver Queen in the movie universe. They're two separate universes, but they need to still be able to use these characters. That's my deal with it. And I think with Jeff Johns getting more involved in the creative side on Hollywood, I think you're going to see that. I think they will start looking surprisingly similar. Like, it wouldn't surprise me if Deadshot came back as a black guy. Well, no, I don't I don't agree with that. I mean, we've already seen Michael Rowe. Michael Rowe has been a fan favorite as far as that character goes in Arrow. If we ever see Deadshot come back, it's going to be Michael Rowe playing the part. There's there's no doubt in my mind about that. But it's just the fact that it's it's not like I said, casting aside, we just need to see these characters to strengthen even further this universe. Yeah. Uh, of the television series. Yeah. I, I mean, I like I said, if we now have two Flashes and two Supermans, there's no reason we can't have other versions of the other characters that exist in the, the film universe. I think it's just time to, like, lift that ban. And, you know, hopefully Superman's a big step towards that. But and that's I know we got to... Yeah, yeah, I think that's a step in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, so recommendations real quick. Uh, Teach, we'll start with you on this one. All right. So I'm going to... Rec- I'm going to recommend something from Supergirl, and I'm going to go way, way back on this one. Um, coming, it's it's not out yet, but you'll be able to get it in October. Uh, it's Supergirl Book One by Peter David, and this goes all the way back to the '90s when uh, Lex Luthor, uh, when uh, Super, sorry, Supergirl was the protoplasmic creation of an alternate Lex Luthor from a different dimension. Okay. It was fantastic. As ridiculous as that, as the origin sounds, it was a fantastic uh, start. They're finally putting it out in trade paperback. Uh, It'll be out at the uh, end of October. Pick this up. It's amazing. Yeah, it is a good run. Uh, for me, I got to say one of the things that I really, really enjoyed from last week was the Green Arrow Rebirth comic, which I think is was quite wonderful to see Ollie and Black Canary and just watching them banter back and forth through the mission. It was such a fantastic read out of the, all the Rebirth books so far I've seen. I think that's been one of my absolute favorites. So high recommendation. Okay. Uh, and as far as my recommendation for this week goes, I, too, am reading the Rebirth series, but I've, I've already recommended that twice already. Uh, I'm going to go a little bit of an offshoot. Uh, I've also started reading the Preacher series, uh, which we know now is a television show on AMC, uh, which I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying right now. There's only been two episodes, three probably by the time you're listening to this. Um, but I'm enjoying the Preacher comics as well. So my recommendation, obviously, it's, it, it is DC while being an offshoot. Uh, my recommendation is the Preacher comics. Uh, I, there's not that many. I think there's maybe about 770 65 or 70 issues uh, before the series wrapped. So obviously it'll take you a little bit of time, but nothing too dramatic. Uh, so that's my recommendation for this week. Okay. So quick plugs. Uh, teach. Start with you again. All right. Um, well, I am currently working on my latest spandex and cape articles, which has a new format. Uh, and it hopefully, barring disaster, will be up later today. Or late. Well, this comes... Would have been up a couple of days ago by the time this comes out. Oh, no. It'll probably be today. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, Rob, how about you? Uh, you can always find me at CaffeineCrew.com. Uh, on top of that, you can always find us on Facebook and Twitter at Simply Caffeine Crew. 
or email me at thecaffeinecrew at gmail.com. And also make sure to check out the Caffeine Crew cast of pods podcast, which is a geek culture podcast that posts monthly. Uh, and of course, yeah, you can find me as well as other podcasts, including this one as part of the Next Level Podcast Network, our website, www.nextlevelradioonline.com, facebook.com slash nextlevelradioonline, and of course on Twitter, at NXT Level Radio. Uh, at any time, you can email Rob and myself for any kind of recommendations or things you'd like to hear us talk about, DC Primetime at nextlevelradioonline.com. Uh, quick mention again to our panel last week. Video of that is now available on our website under the events tab. Just click on Wizard World and panels and you'll find it there. Uh, as well as Harrisburg Comic Con, which was this past weekend, uh, my co-host on the showcast, Adam, actually got to spend a couple minutes with Katrina Law from Arrow. Uh, so there's an interview um, on that as well, uh, including as well our interview with Stephen Amell from last week on the red carpet of Turtles. Uh, but that is going to wrap it up for this annual of Supergirl. Next week, we will have our annual of The Flash. And joining us, uh, it has been confirmed, the boys from DCR are coming back on. Yep, so Sean and Brian will be joining us. Yes, so uh, highly, those guys are great guys. I'm very much looking forward to having those guys back on as well. Uh, and then following week after that, we will have our annual, our Arrow annual with uh, special guest Craig Lagans joining us back again, followed, of course, by our annual of Legends of Tomorrow in which Chris Mannix is going to be coming back and joining us for that. So a couple annuals coming up over the course of the next couple weeks, a lot of stuff planned for the summer. Uh, and it's only a matter of time before we're back into September and we're doing this all over again. Uh, but that's going to wrap it up for this annual. Uh, be sure to join us next week. Check out our sites. But until then, we will see you guys around the bend. Take care. Peace. Adios. <laughs>